This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. Hey, fellow travelers, I'm Lori Gottlieb. I'm the author of Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, and I write the Dear Therapist column for The Atlantic. And I'm Guy Winch. I wrote Emotional First Aid, and I write the Dear Guy column for TED. And this is Dear Therapists. This week, a high school student struggles with the intense pressure to achieve, while also questioning what success really means. I do feel like the way that, like, the college system and everything is set up is that you kind of have to go through this in your teenage years like there's not really much time for taking it easy or just like taking a step back and especially because I know so many other kids are competing it's just I I do think I understand it makes me happy I just I don't know if I'm able to do that to reach my goals listen in and maybe learn something about yourself in the process Dear Therapists is for informational purposes only, does not constitute medical advice, and is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician, mental health professional, or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. By submitting a letter, you are agreeing to let iHeartMedia use it, in part or in full, and we may edit it for length and or clarity. Hey, Guy. Hi, Lori. So where are we going this week? We are going back to high school. Ooh, high school. That should be interesting. Yeah, and the acne is coming out already. Let me, <laughs> let me read you the letter. Dear therapists, I'm a high school junior, and the pressures of college acceptance are already weighing down on me. I feel like I'm blindly applying to any leadership position there is, and that means for every time I'm chosen, there's at least five times I'm not. I'm worried I've become numb to rejection and not fully reaping its benefits. But on the other hand, I feel like I turn into a green-eyed monster every time. How do I find the happy medium when it comes to rejection? And more importantly, how do I find the things that truly matter to me, not just what will look good on my college app? Thanks, Libby. Well, first of all, I hope Libby knows that she is not alone in this. This is very common for high schoolers today, unfortunately, to experience this kind of pressure and to feel at odds with who they are and what they want in the service of creating a resume for college. And I really think that we're not doing a benefit to high schoolers today who are in this real rat race of competition. Because if you think about it, they spend so many hours tethered to their desks. And if we replace their laptops with a sewing machine, we'd be like, oh my goodness, that's a sweatshop. 
But it's an academic sweatshop and it's really concerning because it's not leaving them enough time to have a life. And what they miss out on is all of the tasks developmentally that really for a healthy human need to happen during that time. So let's go talk to her and find out a little bit more about what she's going through. Absolutely. You're listening to Dear Therapists from iHeartRadio. We'll be back after a quick break. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. I'm Lori Gottlieb. And I'm Guy Winch. And this is Dear Therapists. So hi, Libby. Hi. It's nice to meet you guys. Hi, Libby. It's great to meet you too. Your letter was about the college application mm-hmm. process and all these leadership positions that you're trying to get so that you have the extracurriculars and all of that. Can you tell us what a typical week looks like for you in terms of how busy you are, what you are doing? I would love to get a sense of the stresses that you're dealing with. Well, beyond the academic side of things, where my course load is pretty heavy, I'm on the leadership, I think five different clubs at my school, and two of them are extremely prominent. So I usually have about like three meetings a week with that, along with other projects. And I also volunteer at the food bank eight hours every Saturday. So that's just my time. (laughs) I'm curious to know, of those five extracurriculars that you participate in, which ones bring you joy? Um, I love going to the food bank. I do. I feel like that's the one where it's kind of me time, but it's, I'm also being productive at the same time. But I also, beyond the hard work it takes, I do enjoy feeling like I'm actively making a change in my school, 
Like one of them is a club that promotes like diversity and inclusion. And it's really a good feeling to know that I'm actually making a dent in the atmosphere at my school. That's great. You mentioned me time, that the food bank feels like me time. Yeah. Is there any actual me time? Like how much me time do you have? Um, I don't know. But I think in terms of actual me time, I think Sunday evenings are kind of it for me. And that I watch a show, I be with my dog. So paint us a picture that if Sunday evenings, that's the only me time. What are you doing Saturday day, Saturday night, Friday night, Sunday day? Where are your weekends? What are you doing? It's a lot of homework. I really do try to like put a lot of effort into my school work. So it, that takes a lot of time behind the scenes. And I won't feel good about myself unless I really get that out of the way. So it's usually Sunday where I've gotten it all done. And this pressure that you're feeling to build a resume, where is that coming from? Is that coming from the school environment? Is that coming from your parents? Is that something that you've always held yourself to those kinds of standards? What is the end goal here? Getting into a certain kind of college, which leads you to what, which leads you to what? So help us understand your mindset. I think it's always mostly been me. I've always been very competitive. But then you can put in my environment a little bit, too, and that both my parents have been successful in life and the competition that my school breeds and just like the kind of kids I feel like I'm surrounded by uh, definitely induced me to try even harder. So beyond getting into a good school, are there specific schools in mind? Are there specific majors you have in mind that you want to study or specific career paths you know you just want to give yourself the best options possible? Yeah, I'm not naive enough to think that my life is perfect if I get an acceptance letter to like a top college, but I do feel like it's an important step on the way to having a good career, uh, feeling successful every day or something. Yeah, I don't really know what the goal is. I just think if I feel satisfied with myself, I will have achieved that. When you talk about feeling satisfied with yourself, you talked about two of your extracurriculars that are meaningful to you, the food bank, and then you're working on this diversity and inclusion initiative at your school. So the other three, are you doing those for your resume or are you doing those because your heart wants to do them? I do enjoy the other ones quite a bit. One of them is a woman empowerment club too. And I do enjoy that one a lot. I'd lump that one in with the others. But I think the two other clubs, it does kind of feel like I'm kind of taking up the space because I know it's very competitive. So. And are there guidance counselors or is there general wisdom around the school that says you need at least four or five clubs, you need that many extracurriculars. In other words, it, you would think that just the two that you mentioned and the extra one you threw in, that sounds good. So is that just because of what everyone else is doing? Why so many? If I want to succeed and be among the most accomplished in my class, that's just a necessity to show it's, it's leadership. And it's important to have that. You used the word accomplished. And I want to help unpack for a minute what your definition is of accomplishment and success. Because 
as I'm hearing this, I'm thinking about, well, you're doing these activities that don't really mean that much to you, at least two of them. And you're just doing them to have something on your resume that might look good for colleges, but it feels very empty. And I think that's why you wrote to us. I mean, if you were really engaged in all of your activities, we never would have received your letter. So help us understand what accomplishment and success mean to you. It's interesting because I think my number one goal in life is to be happy, but I also think that to make myself happy, I have to feel like I am succeeding. And succeeding means like I'm getting the grade I want on a test. Have you heard about the difference between intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation? I do not think I have. So intrinsic motivation is something where the motivation comes from inside of you, like working at the food bank or working on a diversity initiative at your school. That's something that's very meaningful to you. Women empowerment also seems like that's meaningful to you. But the other ones, you're saying you're just basically building a resume with them. That's extrinsic motivation. That's saying something outside of me, whether it's a college system, but you have this idea that there is some reason outside of you that you need to be doing these things that don't really feed you or nourish you. And you said, well, I'm happy if I get a certain grade. These extrinsic markers of success make you happy. And what I want to challenge you on is that most people who find happiness, and by that I mean people who are content because happy is sort of like joy. It's a feeling that comes and goes like any other feeling, sadness, anxiety. They go in and out like weather systems. But a feeling of overall contentness in life comes from meaning, connection. And that's the part where I think you're setting yourself on a dangerous path. So you're getting your happiness from a grade or something that's on your resume. And I I just don't think that that's going to make you happy in the long run. I guess if I really boil down, like I wrote down like the top five things that make me happy at the end of the day. Uh, I do think a big part of it would be social too. I do find happiness in doing well in school, but I also do appreciate connection. It's just, I feel like there's two sides of me that are kind of battling for the time to find those interactions that make me happy. Well, I'm glad there's connection. But the difference between intrinsic and external motivation might be, it makes me happy to try my best and to have this growth mindset where I'm learning and I'm growing, even if I don't get the highest grade. And I'll learn something from that. And maybe next time I'll do better. As opposed to what did everybody else get? Oh my gosh, I got a 98. Someone else got a 99, (laughs) right? And you're laughing because this is what you're experiencing. As opposed to, wow, I learned a lot when I was studying for this test, or that was really interesting to me, or I pushed myself to work hard. That's intrinsic motivation. Extrinsic motivation is what grade am I going to get? Same with your extracurriculars. It's, I really enjoy doing this activity, or it's very meaningful to me. There's passion and purpose behind it, as opposed to, I became president of this club, and that's going to look good on my resume. I wholeheartedly agree with that. It's just, I can't help but feel a bit guilty if I do prioritize that the less artificial happiness and that I do feel like the way that like the college system and everything is kind of set up is that you kind of have to go through this in your teenage years. Like there's not really much time for taking it easy or just like taking a step back 
especially because I know so many other kids are competing. It's just, I, I do think I understand it makes me happy. I just, I don't know if I'm able to do that to reach my goals. You know, we talk about the work-life balance and we usually mean the workplace and the life balance, but the study life balance is exactly the same as the work-life balance. It really means how many hours are you dedicating to your career, present or future, versus the connections, small indulgences, like on Sunday evenings you allow yourself to watch a show and I hope you enjoy it, but that's very little that you're allowing yourself. And part of the concern about that is that balance, the way it's set up right now is too weighted in the favor of the work component. And it doesn't end once you get into college because the mindset that you have right now will be carried over into, well, but then I want to go to graduate school or get the best internship or get the best job. So can't slack off now. And then you get the best job or you go to graduate school and can't slack off now. And this is what happens to people. They, they start in high school and probably you started before, but you set the bar really, really high. And then you focus so much on that bar. You take your eye of how you're doing and that results in feeling very, very stressed out. But this is the right time for high school students to catch it. There's huge competition. But there are probably some tweaks that need to be done that balance things out a little bit more. If you had a little bit more time, if you could invent five more hours in the week that you didn't have to dedicate to the getting into college thing, what would you do with those hours? Hmm. Five more hours in the week. And I don't think the answer you're looking for is put another five hours of study. Correct. For a test. <laughs> um, well, I don't think that's the answer you're looking for, Libby. Yeah, you're right. Because uh, it wouldn't be a very enjoyable five hours. But that is where your mind went first. I mean, that's my point, right? That your mind yes. went first and like, oh, I could do so much more studying. <laughs> or ah, there's one more leadership thing. But that's the, right? But, but I am curious. If it were just for you, just for your own joy, satisfaction, nothing that counts for anything, what would you do? If I'm allowed to do this, I'd probably break up an hour for each of the five days of the weekdays. You may, and... and- I would put it at sunset time and I would mm-hmm. go on a bike ride and I would sit and I would, I don't know, eat ice cream and watch the sunset. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> mm. That sounds amazing. The guy was talking about how this mindset that you have won't end once you get to college. And a lot of kids in high school think about college as the price you know, if I can just get that acceptance letter, if I can just get into that college and then they don't really think about what happens. Mm -hmm. All they think about is here's the school I want to go to, or here are the three top schools that I want to go to. And I have to put all of my energies into getting into those schools. And if I get into one of those schools, I'm done. (laughs) And so going back to intrinsic motivation, what is your intrinsic motivation for wanting to get into a certain kind of college, what do you think that will do for you and your life satisfaction? I think it's a pretty good marker of how much I would have sacrificed over like maybe these past four years of high school or what will it be these past four years. I know that myself in the future will, it will be like a very big symbol of all my hard work. And if I it would just show like some of my character too. Like if I worked hard for this goal, I've reached it. And that means I could reach more goals in the future. And what if your goal 
in high school, when you look back later, you said, you know what I did in high school is I worked really hard and I focused on things that mattered to me. And I got into a good college, maybe not the one. And you did it that way. And you met lots of friends. You were involved in tons of activities that meant something to you. You were prepared for the kind of career you wanted. You ended up having the kinds of relationships that you wanted. Would you look back and be disappointed in yourself? Absolutely not. Somehow I feel like that will be my life. Like I will learn this lesson eventually. But right now I couldn't help. But when you were saying that, think of like a little nagging voice in the back of my mind that was saying like, you could have had more. So what is the more that you could have had? Let's just use the symbol of colleges. Let's say we're talking about Harvard, Yale, Stanford, whatever. Mm-hmm. Going to Harvard, Yale, Stanford, <laughs> as opposed to a really, really good school that isn't Harvard, Yale, Stanford. What is the more that you think you would have at Harvard, Yale, or Stanford? I just feel like one is a bigger symbol, unfortunately. Right, but it's a just- symbol to whom? Maybe to me and maybe to everybody else, too. It's just I'm so in the moment right now of working hard, skipping out on the me time, et cetera, that I want it to make me come in number one. And even if that's just like the U.S. news ranking, it is how other people view it. I want my hard work to reflect a gold medal, not silver. It sounds like you're saying I need to know that I can do that. And once I get into number one, then... I can maybe relax a little bit more because I proved it to myself so then I'll be able to be a little less goal-driven. I especially feel like in today's culture, what college you go to is like one of the biggest things. Like if I don't do as well in that school, I can always use that network of, yes, I went there. And it's unfortunate that it's structured that way, but I do feel like it is important, especially if I was applying for future jobs and everything, it is an important factor and I don't want to ignore it. I just want to help you with some reality checking on that, (laughs) which is that, and it's hard to see because you're in the middle of all of these kids who have the same beliefs and and all of these parents, by the way, in your (laughs) community, I'm sure have the same beliefs that you have. But I want to zoom out a little bit and give you the perspective from decades down the line, which is that every study shows that where you went to college, whether you went to an Ivy League college or you didn't, has no impact on your future happiness in life. And so you feel like if I have that and I can carry that around for the rest of my life, I went to Harvard, I went to Stanford, I went to Yale then somehow that protects you and provides a certain kind of life for you that I think is a fiction because there are just as many people from those schools who are depressed and anxious and unhappy and don't meet their career goals than people who don't. And so let's just say for the sake of argument that these studies are right that there is no difference in happiness decades later between the people who went to the number one school versus the people who went to the very good schools and were happy at those schools. What is your goal then? What is the purpose of all of this, of not taking those bike rides, of not watching the sunset? I don't know. I don't really quite know what the goal is. I just know that if I reach this 
one, it'll just feel, I don't know, like I'm on the right, I'm on the right path. And, and that's why we're a little bit worried because, yeah. because <laughs> Guy and I are, are looking at each other because you have this fantasy and it's not just about schools, by the way. So in life, it's like, if I get this one job, if I have this amount of money, at that point, I will inoculate myself from, you know, <laughs> sort of future unhappiness, right? Right. Um, and the research about money is just the same as the research about the Ivy Leagues, that beyond a certain income, which is comparatively low, it doesn't make a difference to happiness at all. Yeah. And so what worries us is this idea that you're going to get into this school and you're going to get there and you're going to go, uh-oh, <laughs> wait, I sacrificed my childhood and my adolescence <laughs> for this? Really? <laughs> and for a while, it will protect you because every time you go somewhere, you'll get to say, yeah, I go to whatever school or, you know, when you graduate, yeah, I graduated from this school. But it's going to start to feel empty at a certain point, it will start to mean a lot less to you and equally importantly to the people around you. So all of the ways that right now this stuff means so much when people are like, where do you get into school? Where are you going to school? That means a lot. It's going to mean almost nothing later on in life. You know, Libby, part of, I think, the thinking that you have that's problematic, but a lot of people in your position have, is that it feels like Going from 100% effort to 98% effort or 97% effort will sabotage your goals entirely. So it's either sunset or harvest. <laughs> you can't have both. And that's a real problem with the thinking because that's absolutely incorrect. And I think that if you were to speak to people who consider themselves successful later in life, they will point to the mix. They have these professional goals and equally important for them is to have a life, is to do the things that make them happy, is to do the things that give them meaning, which is then about personal enrichment, connections and family and friendships and all of those things. And I think that the feeling is, and this is the feeling that I think is, is troubling me with you, is that you really feel like, no, but right now it has to be 100% and I have to put on hold all my other wants and needs other than Sunday watching a show for a little bit. And that is the thinking that I think is too extreme because success means you have both. Well, right. I think when we talk about success, you can have all of these very impressive extracurriculars and the grades that you want to have. But if the cost is stress or depression or anxiety or envy all the time or this feeling of never being good enough compared to your classmates, I don't know that that's a healthy definition of success. And I don't know that it's the kind of success that you should aspire to. It's just, it's so hard to change my way of thinking because when you guys are saying this, I am reminded of like what I have honestly thought is that I will be likely happier socially. I will feel less like the toxic environment. But it's just so hard to unlearn that wanting the best, especially because I am in that environment right now. So I can't help but wonder if I could have both. So Libby, what Guy said earlier, I think is really important, which is that nobody's saying go from 110% effort to 80% effort. Yeah. He was talking about going to like a 98. And I think what he meant too wasn't 
a 98 in the things you care about. The things you care about, put in 110% effort because you care. Guy and I, we put in 110% effort into the things that really matter to us. We will sacrifice lots of things for the things that really matter to us, but matter to us intrinsically. But to put in 110% effort into something that doesn't mean something to us, that is where we want to open up a little door for you. And to help you think about, even in this conversation, those two extracurriculars that you said, well, those are leadership positions. And at my school, those look really good on a resume. I think that when you get to college, what makes for success are the people who are whole human beings who really learned something about themselves as they were going through this developmental phase. Those people who say, I know what's important to me and I'm going to put a lot of effort into what's important to me, I'm going to be authentic. And it's even possible that your plan is backfiring because I think that the colleges are pretty aware of what's authentic and what's not. And you're kind of rolling your eyes a little bit there. (laughs) (laughs) But I want to tell you that I think they're getting much better at that. They're like, wait a minute, this person is doing five extracurriculars and they're doing this and that and the other thing. And they're also getting the top grades. And I have to wonder, where's this person's true passion? Who is this person? Yeah, I absolutely understand that. And I I have to say, I was thinking of like the kids I know who they run clubs like I don't even know, like research of kidney transplant or something. And I seriously doubt 16-year-olds are interested in that. If you asked any of my friends or any of my classmates, I would feel like they would describe me as that person. I feel like that's a big part of my quote-unquote brand. You use the word brand. (laughs) Okay. That that's part of your brand. And I think right there, you're looking for a brand of a college. You're not looking for the place where you will thrive. Mm-hmm. You are simply saying, oh, I want the Harvard brand or whatever your your dream is, as opposed to where will I actually thrive? And you're looking at how people perceive you. That's your brand. That's not your essence. And in life, what's going to be important in terms of your happiness is what is your authentic essence, not what is your brand? I can say for myself that when I was in high school, I felt like if I didn't do all of the things that I could do, even if they didn't make me happy or weren't fulfilling to me, that people would perceive me as less accomplished. People would perceive me as less in the game. If I didn't get the top score on a test, then people would think I was less smart because I could have gotten a higher score, but I decided to go take that bike ride and look at the sunset. Mm. And What I found was it didn't matter what people thought of me because I was making myself miserable. And I think that the mindset is, well, it's only four years, so I can can live miserably for four years. Four years matters, not just because of those four years, but because it forms who you are going forward. That's true. When you think about your brand, I want you to think seriously about what you value in yourself and not what others might value about you. And to be able to separate that out, because right now they are so enmeshed. Yeah. The thing is, those things are important to me, but I feel like I can't let up, too. Like, I need to have that accomplished version of myself, and then I also am trying to work 
on that other person. If you describe the way you are right now, and you compare that to describing the exact same person with one tweak, that the second version of Libby only does three clubs rather than five, and she spends an hour every day taking a bike ride, watching the sunset, sometimes having some ice cream, sometimes doing some sketching, sometimes just listening to music. She spends an hour of quality time with herself every day, doing things that just make her smile. Which one is more successful of those two, Libby's? The second one. It, it just, it just, it just clicked for me. It just clicked for me. And who do you like better, Libby one? who does things that don't really mean that much to her, but she's trying to game the system. Or Libby, too, who's really accomplished, works really hard, gets really good grades, participates in activities that mean something to her. She wants to make the world a better place. And she also values her social connections and she values herself. I like the second one. <laughs> it's yeah. That's crazy. I've always thought that like a central like tenet of, and I think right around when I wrote to you guys, I was thinking a lot of like what rejection is and mm -hmm. what success is. And something I wrote down was successful people do all the things unsuccessful people don't want to do. Now I don't know if that's true. Look, there's always more you can do. That's certainly going to be true in college. There was always another chapter you can read, another paper you can study, another round. The trick then is to know where to set the limit and to know how to prioritize some other things. So you are clear about the social being important. The third aspect is, again, your quality of life. Like, you know, people will sometimes say, oh, I just took a bath for an hour and just kind of lay there and thought for a bit and or the bike ride or the kinds of things that you look at, like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> but the way it works is that if you decide, here are the things that actually make me smile and unwind and recharge and rejuvenate, like taking the bike ride and watching the sunset. So those become priorities. I'll limit them because I don't have a ton of time. But once they are in, what then don't I have time for? And then that's when the less meaningful extras drop off because truly then you don't have time for them. But they won't drop off unless there's something else forcing its way in that you need to prioritize. And that's, again, your emotional needs, your self-care, take a moment to breathe, to relax, to absorb, to get perspective. That's what's missing that you need to elbow in and other things will drop out because of it. Okay. I'll also give you a little bit of a window into what Guy and I see in the therapy room, which is that an older version of you will come in and sit on our respective couches and they will say, I went to this college. I have this successful job. I have lots of friends. Everything looks great on the outside. And I am so unhappy and I don't know why. And I see your face. Your face just <laughs> sort of fell. Yeah. And that's because I think that something resonated there with you. That yeah. it was sort of like the ghost of Christmas past. <laughs> that... Something said, uh-oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what if? Even though I don't think that that's how you think things are going to go because nobody does. So everybody like you thinks, I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to get into the college. I'm going to do really well in college. And then I'm going to get this great job and it's going to be great. 
And then they come to therapy and they say, I don't know why it's not great. I don't know what happened. I did everything right. I checked off every box and more. There's nothing I could have done differently, but oh yes, there is. <laughs> and that's what we're trying to tell you, that mm-hmm. there is something you could do differently. It's not about the checklist because the checklist won't necessarily get you to the kind of life you want to live. Yeah, the checklist thing kind of also struck a nerve because a little anecdote, I recently started just like seeing a therapist to deal with like the stress of junior year because this may have kind of inspired me. But uh, I told her I didn't have a very good weekend and she asked why. And I was like, I didn't get a lot done. And she was shocked to discovered I had a backup to-do list after I had finished my first to-do list. And she was telling me that's, I don't know, like I'll never really reach like what guy was saying, like, I'll never really reach that check off. Like, it's just a constant uphill battle. You know, Libby, I'm wondering, we've been talking a lot about the environment at your school. What do you think your parents would say about going from 110% to maybe 98% in certain areas that you're less passionate about? Uh, I think they'd be complete proponents of that when they go to parent-teacher conferences the teachers are expecting to see like super crazy like super hard on me parents and they're always shocked that my parents seem chill and they agree they want me to take a step back and relax but that means there's no external people making me that way it's just me (laughs) it's not just you it's the culture too the environment that we're in is contagious Mm mm-hmm And so part of you, yes, you're just inherently a person who is very driven. And that can be a great quality. But you have to drive in the right direction. You can be driven, but where are you actually getting to? Where are you actually going? And are you enjoying the ride? That's a good analogy. Yeah, because when you guys are talking about that second, Libby, it was just, I was thinking about it. like, I would totally want to be that girl. I really would. But it's just, it's hard when I feel like the environment I'm in doesn't really foster that kind of person. Like, how do you really transform, like, to use, like, a flower analogy, how do you, like, blossom into that flower when the ground you're in only really takes the first version? No, no, no. That's the point that we're trying to make is that (laughs) that's not necessarily true. (laughs) The soil isn't like that. One thing to remember is that nobody gets to live your life for you that this is your life and you get to choose how it goes. And so when you say, I can't do this or I can't do that, I only get this little window on Sunday nights. That's my, I get to watch a show. (laughs) You know, I mean, when you hear that, it sounds like a very limited life. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate your advice. It's really nice to hear it too, because I feel like there is a part of me that's kind of been like whining for it, like, I I would like to be able to become a more well-rounded person. I would like to like read that book on my shelf. I would like to have that. It's just nice to hear I might be like allowed to almost. So Libby, we're thinking about your situation and here's what we'd like you to do this week. We'd like you to go on that bike ride and look at the sunset. And while you're there, we want you to make a list of the things that you would just like to do. Like you just said, oh, I'd like to read a book off my shelf occasionally. While you're up there enjoying the sunset, make a list. Here are seven things that I would like to do. 
And then we want you to do one of those each day. And it doesn't have to take a full hour. It could be something like, I'm going to read a chapter of a book, and maybe that takes me 30 minutes, or I'm going to call a friend, and we're going to not talk about anything academic. We're just going to talk about life and laugh and enjoy ourselves. Whatever those things are for you, we'd like you to do one of them a day and really embody Libby 2. And when you catch yourself having a Libby 1 reaction, we'd like you to write down what Libby 2 would think about that. Because Libby 2 might think, I'm actually really enjoying the book that I'm reading, and I'm allowing myself to do at least 45 minutes a day of it, and I'm loving it. And if you can get this balance right between keeping your finger on your pulse and giving yourself things that you need, that you've been denying yourself because of this other priority, that's success. That's Libby too. And because ultimately we think you'll be much happier and actually more successful in life as Libby too, rather than Libby one. Okay. I can absolutely do that. That was not as scary as I thought it would be. And remember too, because you do hold yourself to such high standards, the perfectionist in you is going to want to master that this week. And we want to let you know that this takes time. We would consider this a success if you got just a taste of what it might be like to inhabit Libby 2, because we think Libby 2 is your more authentic self. And that's the goal of this. So if you get a little taste of that, this week will be a huge success. I think I think it's a really good idea. I hope it'll help me like redefine my goals too. And it's just good to like find what would make me happy. So I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, we don't think you've put enough thought into that. Yeah, well, it'd be nice to finally be able to. I think adolescence is a really important time for developing a sense of who you are and what's important to you because you're in that period between being a child where you're so influenced by the adults around you to becoming an adult yourself. And I'm so glad that Libby was able to sit and grapple with the two different parts of her, the part of her that's very impacted by what she thinks is important in the culture and then the part of her that says, wait a minute, I don't necessarily want to live like this. And really getting in touch with what your needs are, learning that regardless of all the obligations in front of me, I need to have some time off. I need to be able to read for pleasure. I need to be able to watch a sunset and to be able to recognize that as you're growing up and you become a full adult, no one is going to do that for you. You have to learn to take care of your own emotional needs in that way. And this is the time to practice that. And you also have to be able to define your values for yourself. That's part of the work of moving through adolescence and early adulthood. She's gone through her life with this very all or nothing mindset. There's success and there's failure and there's nothing in between. And her definition of success is not actually leading to what I think would be her definition of a successful life. So I'm really interested to see whether she is able to incorporate some of this into her daily life. Sometimes these small tweaks can make a huge difference. 
I'll say this, Laurie, when we do these sessions, I often walk away thinking, oh, there's a reminder for me there as well. And as we were talking, I'm like, when is the last time I saw a sunset? It's not that long ago, in fact, but I'm going to go watch one today. You're listening to Dear Therapist from iHeartRadio. We'll be back after a quick break. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. So for the first time, we got back a homework assignment from an actual student, Libby. And this is the assignment that I care the most about. Exactly. Libby too. Let's hear it. Hi, guys. So I did it. I wrote down my list, which was as follows. One, watch the sunset. Two, finally finish my book I've been reading. Three, go on a walk with my best friend. Uh, four, catch up on the latest SNL. Five, go out and get lunch. Six, watch a movie with my little brother. And seven, sit in a pretty place and just listen to music. And after that week, I honestly feel lighter. I thought I would feel more stressed with less time, but it's more like the highs and lows of my day are more saturated. I'm getting more satisfaction after finishing my work without piling more on. And the things I do for myself are just as fun as I thought they would be. Just like you said, I do feel more balanced after bringing this balance into my life. I feel less like a workhorse and more like a girl just doing her best. I'm really going to try to implement this more into my life, even if it's just three things a week. And I do recommend it to anyone else overwhelmed by stress out there. I'm feeling far more optimistic and just happy. I feel like I was really able to have those extra five hours of sunsets that I craved. So thank you. Thank you so much. 
So I love that Libby discovered that when you have balance in your life, it doesn't make you less productive. It actually makes you function better as a whole. I think what stops many people from doing what Libby did is this fear that because they're so depleted, if they spend any effort in trying to make time for themselves, that will bottom them out and they will really go into the red. When in fact it's paradoxical, it's the opposite. By making time for yourself, you are filling your tank. You're not depleting it further. And I hope that other students like Libby listen to this and they try it for themselves because what they're doing is they're training themselves to take the time to care for themselves, which they will need to do as adults because we see so many adults who come to us with a similar thing. So it's not necessarily about extracurriculars and getting grades and getting into college, but it's about not being able to take time for themselves in their daily lives. So I hope that high school students listen to this, but I also hope that adults listen to this and implement these strategies. Just try it for a week like Libby did and see and feel the change. Hey, fellow travelers. If you've used any of our advice from the podcast in your own life, send us a quick voice memo to Lori and Guy at iheartmedia.com and tell us about it. We may include it in a future show. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to rate and review it. You can follow us both online. I'm at lauriegottlieb.com and you can follow me on Twitter at lauriegottlieb1 or on Instagram at lauriegottlieb underscore author. And I'm at guywinch.com. I'm on Twitter and on Instagram at guywinch. If you have a dilemma you'd like to discuss with us, big or small, email us at laurieandguy at iheartmedia.com. Our executive producer is Christopher Hasiotis. We're produced and edited by Mike Johns. Special thanks to Samuel Benefield and to our podcast fairy godmother, Katie Couric. And next week, a woman deals with the fallout after her mother blames her for her father's suicide. She said, you know why he killed himself? So she made it sound like she knew the reason. Like he left it in the suicide note. Basically, I don't believe her anymore. I feel like she's lying. Dear Therapist is a production of iHeartRadio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.